Today, we will be finishing up in our study of the Lord's Prayer. This is the 11th message now on these words that are given to us here in Luke chapter 11. Today, I'm going to read these precious words from the version of the prayer that's given in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9 there. And it's the prayer that we pray each Sunday as we begin the service. So listen to these words, these precious words of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. It's our plan today to devote what will probably be our final week of study of this blessed Lord's Prayer. And I'd like for us to focus our thoughts on just these last few closing words here in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 6. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And while the focus of our study here will be as it should be, upon the person and the nature of our great and awesome God. I want us to especially be able to see how within His almighty power and His glory, God is able to remain so very intimate and so very personal to each one of us within His creation in even the most private of matters of our lives, every moment of every day. Now, last week we devoted our study to... Considering the kingdom that's spoken about here, the kingdom of God. And today I'd like for us to consider these next words, the power and the glory forever. Amen. And as we do, I confess that I'm immediately humbled because I know that neither you nor I nor any other person is able to even begin to know or or to imagine the greatness of the divine power of God that's being spoken about here. But though that be true, through faith and through these scriptures, God's Holy Spirit is able to help us in our frail understanding and in our belief. For me, I'm able to get a small glimpse of God's great might and power as I read these scriptures. And I do spend quite a bit of time each week in these scriptures. And beginning from the very first words in this book of Genesis... There where our almighty God simply spoke. He simply spoke. And over the period of six days, he created all of the worlds, the entire universe, the earth with all of its mountains and valleys and trees and all of the creatures suddenly, at his command, came into existence. That's incomprehensible, folks. And then also, if you read in the book of Revelation, there God speaks about a time... When at his command, all of those same worlds that he created there in the book of Genesis and all the inhabitants of this world will suddenly vanish. Suddenly vanish out of existence. Gone without even a trace or a molecule left to remain. And then he'll speak again. And suddenly at his command, a whole new world, a whole new eternal and incorruptible heaven and earth will suddenly come into existence. 
A world where you and I will live with him forever. Isn't that a wonderful thought? And I'm looking forward to it. Now, such thoughts, as I said, are so incomprehensible to our small minds that you and I will then be able to live forever, eternally with God. You know, we're so accustomed to living daily lives where there's a continual beginning and ending. Our days begin and end. But even our lives, three score and ten, they have a beginning and they have an end. But as these words of this prayer tell us, with God all things are forever. Forever. And again, that's so incomprehensible. But please do think with me through this for a moment. Try to imagine how from the beginning of time, by God's divine power, all of these things that we see today, they took place. And it tells us that in the book of John and also in the book of Colossians, we're told there that it was the second person of the Trinity, the Lord Jesus, that actually created all of these things that we see. The Lord Jesus. Listen to these words, John chapter 1. Here, talking about Jesus, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. And then also in John chapter 1, and also in Revelation chapter 19, Jesus is called the Word of God. The Word of God. A.W. Tozer calls Jesus the speaking voice of God. The speaking voice of God. And so with simple words of his mouth, Jesus, the Word of God, he spoke and all of these worlds came into existence from that smallest molecule to all of the vast universe, trillions of miles of universe. Our God is powerful and he is magnificent and that's what the words of this prayer are telling us. And our scriptures also tell us that after the Lord Jesus spoke all of the earth into existence, that he then created Adam. I love that thought. Imagine for a moment that just from the dust of the earth, he molded and he formed that first man, Adam. And then in a very intimate show of love, he reached down and he breathed the breath of life into Adam's nostrils. And we're told there in the scriptures that immediately Adam became a living, eternal soul. That's wonderful. Incomprehensible. But folks, much the same has been taking place all throughout time. Billions upon billions of people at God's command coming into existence and then passing on into eternity. He speaks that embryo into every mother's womb. He forms that embryo with his own hands. We were knitted together by his own hands. Again, that's incomprehensible to us, but he did and he does. And all this is so beyond our ability to understand. And that's probably why most of the people of this earth fail to see that it was, it was him. It was God who did it all and is still doing it all. In their ignorance, most of the people of this world have these foolish understandings and they make up these foolish stories and imaginations believing that they somehow created themselves through some evolutionary process. And sadly, in mankind's effort to explain away the existence of God and to explain it in the way that they think it took place, they've robbed God of one of the most important elements of His being. They've robbed Him of His glory. 
His glory. The glory that's spoken about here in this prayer. And folks, you and I, you and I who have Christ as our Savior and our Lord, we must not join with those foolish people who believe those foolish things. And we can do that so easily in a conversation. We can go right along with their talking about all of those billions of years that this planet has been here. But folks, that's foolishness. That's foolishness. It's just that they don't know it. It's as the hymn that we sing declares, To God be the glory, great things He has done. And as the words of this prayer declare about God, For thine be the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now let me say this again. While it's true that our meager minds are not able to fathom the unimaginable power that it took to create these worlds and also to sustain and to maintain our existence every moment of every day, you and I must by faith believe that it was all done by Him and it is all still being done by Him, by God. That it's by God's power alone, by His great and divine power, that makes all of life go on as it does every day. Over these past few days, I've pondered these thoughts and I've been reminded that it's also by God's great and mighty power that this earth's complex systems have been formed and molded into order. Those systems that we're so used to see taking place, we're so accustomed to, those systems that sustain and bless us as we go throughout our days. We must not be so arrogant as to think that we, mankind, by our own wits and our own brilliance, have been able to think up all these many conveniences that we enjoy every day. From the electricity that we enjoy, to automobiles, to the banking systems, to the governmental systems, to our police forces, all of those conveniences that we have, even these electronic devices that we use every day, it was not our own brilliant minds that thought them up. Yes, those thoughts came through our mind, but it was God's Holy Spirit guiding and directing our thoughts as all those things came into being. Yes, I know that we it's hard for us to believe because we are so accustomed to thinking how brilliant we are. But folks, all we've been able to do with all of this is to corrupt it, to corrupt this good and perfect gifts that God has put into our minds that float out into the creation of all these conveniences that we have. In James chapter 1, we're told that all good and perfect gifts come from God. And all we've done is mostly corrupted it. We've corrupted our political systems, our governmental systems, our environment, all those other wonderful gifts that God gave us. And folks, no matter how corrupt those are now, those are gifts from God, and they are still good and perfect. Again, it's only us who have sinfully misused and corrupted all those things. Now, let me say all this again. While all the inhabitants of the earth should be praising God, and giving Him the glory for the great things that He has done. Most of the people do not do that. They think. And yes, as I said a moment ago, they, some of them truly believe that it was by their own hands and by their own mind that all of this was accomplished. All of these wonderful advances in science and 
our economy and all. And it's validated all through our media because we see men giving accolades to men and women and they're elevated in their positions of great honor, all believing that they've done it with their own hands. Wealthy business leaders being praised and we see the movie stars and music stars and sports entertainers all being idolized. But folks, we see very few, very few times that any of them give glory to God. They truly do believe that it was by their own efforts. Foolishness, but they believe it. But listen, you and I, you and I must be different. We who have Christ as our Savior and our Lord, we know the truth. No matter what we have accomplished in this life, whether it be small or it be great, we know that any success that we might have gained has come to us through the mind of Christ. Those ideas, those thoughts flowing through our mind from Him. Him giving us those wonderful thoughts and intellect. And so you and I need to always be saying to God, be the glory. Now I'd like to give you a personal example, personal witness of how God, this great and mighty God of ours, does moment by moment stoop down to aid and to intimately guide the daily efforts of each of our private lives. I thought for myself some years ago, I decided to build myself a wood shop. I worked on that shop daily. Now, I did receive some occasional help from some of my friends. But for the most part, I built that whole shop myself. And as I worked on it, and as I, especially as I look back at that finished product, I was amazed at how good it looked. I was amazed at how excellent it turned out. Now, why was I amazed? I was amazed because I am not a carpenter. I'm not an electrician. And I don't know much about that sort of trade work. I was a businessman. I was an accountant. An accountant doesn't know how to build a shop. But yet, somehow, somehow I knew what to do moment by moment throughout my day as I built that shop. And folks, I know that the wisdom and the intelligence that it took to do that work came from the guidance of God's Holy Spirit Himself. And so to God be the glory. And I really believe that. Let me say something further. Even my daily work as a businessman, as an accountant, it was God's Holy Spirit who gave me the intellect to know how to do that work well. And so I say again, to God be the glory. Give you one more example. You'll recall that it's been on several occasions that I've said to you that these precious words that I share with you each Sunday, they don't come out of my own knowledge and wisdom. I'm not smart enough to think of the things that I say to you each Sunday. These words that I share with you each Sunday, they come straight from the mind of Christ, guiding me in whatever words I'm to say to you. And so again, I want to say, to God be the glory for the great things that He has done. And also the words of this prayer that declare, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Now, one more thought as we consider these words about the glory of God. In our Westminster Confession of Faith, the Westminster Catechism, the first question that's asked is, what is the chief end of man? 
And the answer to that question is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. It's one of the most basic doctrines of all the Christian faith, and that is to glorify God. And we see that all through both the Old and the New Testaments. Words such as in Romans chapter 11, For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things, to Him be glory forever. And then also in 1 Corinthians 10 we read, Whether you eat or you drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And folks, simply put, everything that you, that I think, everything that we say or do must in every way be to the glory of God. Else we should not think it or say it or do it. God's glory really must be the first desire of our heart. And that's what this prayer is saying. These closing words For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. They aren't just a statement about God. Too often we go through those words so quickly. We're getting to the end of the prayer and so we say those words so quickly. But that's not the intention of these words. They're not just a statement about God. They are so much more as they should be. An earnest plea that wells up from the depths of our hearts. Pleading for the almighty God with his great power and glory to do the things that we have just prayed about. And we, we not only want Him to abide with us and within us, we want Him to fill the whole earth. We're told that in the book of Isaiah, that there would be no place, no thing, no activity or behavior of life on this entire earth that would not have the fullness of His presence and His power and His glory flowing through it. That's a wonderful thought. And it's very comforting to me that the very power and presence of God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead would fill all that takes place in everything that we do, every moment of the day, that he would bring purity and holiness and righteousness to our corrupt and reprobate world, that we would enjoy him as he lives in us and among us, And that by His Holy Spirit, He would govern and He would guide all of our thoughts and all of our behaviors, protecting us and providing for us, comforting us when we grieve, when we're in our sorrows, calming us when we're in trouble, when we're impatient, when we fear, bringing glory to Himself. That's what we should be pleading for as we say these last words of this prayer. Now, with all that being said, as we come near to the end of this study, I want to devote these last few minutes to this very, very special word that ends the prayer, and it's amen. You know, unfortunately, too often, and I confess this has been for me in many of my years of knowing the Lord, too often our amen is very little more than just a quick and almost meaningless word that says to ourselves, but also says to everybody listening, the prayer is over. Think about that for a moment. That's what most people think about this word amen. That it's a word that ends the prayer. And that's not at all what God intended for that very special word. The intention for this word amen is to place a seal of approval on the words of the prayer that we have been praying. All of those words affirming and validating all that's been said 
from the beginning of that prayer to the end of it. And that word amen means so be it. Emphatically, so be it. Everything that we prayed in that prayer and everything that we're praying in our private prayers. When we say amen, we're saying, so be it, Lord. I want everything that I prayed to be just as you would have it to be. Folks, God does not waste words within these scriptures. Too often, we think lightly of words or phrases like this one of amen. But we need to remember that everything that God says within these scriptures, they have such a much deeper meaning. Yes, they came through the hands and the mind, in this case of the disciple Matthew. But these words, every one of these words are infallibly, word for word, the mind of God being spoken out to us by the Lord Jesus. And because that's so, you and I need to give the full reverence and care to every one of these words. And so, in this final word of the prayer, amen. It's a word that means, so be it. And it declares that truly, all that's been said in the prayer shall take place. As I was reading through these scriptures, I was noticing that this word for amen is the very same word that the Lord Jesus used so often when he would say, verily, verily, I say unto you, or truly, truly, I say unto you, or assuredly, I say unto you. It's the very same word as amen. Like, For instance, in Matthew chapter 5, he said, For verily, or for amen, for verily I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or tittle of this law will pass from it till it's been fulfilled. Amen. Amen, he said. And then also in John chapter 3, when Jesus was talking there with Nicodemus, he said, Nicodemus, verily, verily, amen, amen, emphatically, Nicodemus, I want you to know that except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This word is so important because it gives so much emphasis to what's being said or what has been said. The Lord is saying to us, yes, verily, verily, so be it. And so then, for you and me, the next time you pray, the next time I pray, and every time that we pray, and we end our prayer with amen. Let it be what God intends it to be, as he wants it to be. That amen, yes, we agree with you, Lord. We want to join with you in your desires to bless our family members, to do whatever we have been praying about. We want to be, Lord, as emphatic as you are about this. So again, the next time you pray and you say this word, amen, let it be exactly as the Lord intends it to be. To say emphatically, Lord, I want to join with you in what you're doing in all these things that I've been praying about today. So then as we close today, I want to say again, no, our meager minds are not able to fathom the unimaginable might and power and glory of this person of God. But we must. We must by faith believe it. Though we can't comprehend it well, we must believe that it's all true. And so as this hymn that we sing declares, to God be the glory, great things he has done. You and I need to emphatically believe that. And then as the words of this prayer declares about God, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. 
Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father, you've taught us all we need to know about praying. The disciples asked you, Lord Jesus, to teach them to pray. And you did. And it was these words. And so we now pray, Holy Spirit, make these words a living part of our life every day. Help us to pray this prayer just as you intend it to be, Lord Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen.